Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Jesus, will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty come to him will you drink deeply of Jesus will you come to the water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty been lost in the wilderness, chasing nothing but sin and death. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Jesus and live. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Romans, the sixth chapter. I'll begin reading with verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. The life he lives, he lives to God. 
In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. There is a a very difficult part of the Christian life. It is the most common sin I know of, and it's the sin of lying to the Holy Spirit. We do something. We know we should not have done it. We pray and ask for forgiveness, and then we do it again. We pray and ask for forgiveness, and then we do it again. Until finally our hearts are hardened by what we're doing, and we no longer pray for forgiveness. We figure, well, this is just how it is. No, it's not. We are being bent toward heaven or hell by everything we do or say, everything we hold in our hearts. The bending process is slow. It takes time. But as we go further in our lives, certain patterns begin to emerge. And those patterns become locked into our lives. And it becomes a normal thing for us to think or to do. A man, 30 years old when he became king in Israel, he was bent in the worst kind of way. The Philistine army gathered to fight against him because his son-in-law, or his son, had attacked the Philistine outpost. And they decided they would get rid of this man once and for all. He was the first king of Israel, and they said, we're going to kill this man. We're not going to let him rule our territory. So the Philistines assembled 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioters, soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And they went up and camped on the edge, preparing to invade Israel. Now, the little group of men who were a part of standing army with Israel 
saw that their situation was very critical, that the army would be very, very hard-pressed, and they began to hide out in caves. They began to desert. Saul at Gilgal. And all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. Samuel set that time when he anointed him and he was declared king. He wanted wanted the blessing of Saul. I'm sorry, he wanted the blessing of Samuel. But Saul was being bent already by his victories in war. And he saw that great wealth could come to him. But suddenly he was faced with an army, a magnitude so large, there wasn't a possibility of his winning this war. He knew he could go to God. He knew God could win over this army. He'd seen over and over where God had stepped in and won the day for him. But Samuel didn't show up at the exact expected time. And the men saw that, and they really began to scatter. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. Saul offered up the burnt offerings. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. Now, why was this a problem? Because he was playing the part of king and priest. That place belongs to Jesus. Kings and the priests were separate offices. First words out of Samuel's mouth. What have you done? Saul replies, when I saw the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, I thought, I have to step in and do something. Well, if you'll look in verse 23, 22 of chapter 13 of 1 Samuel. Now the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. And I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. And I've not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offerings. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. Because you have not kept Lord's command. Samuel left Gilgal. Oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Already, 
Saul's heart is being bent toward what he thinks is right and not what the Lord has said is right. This is the most common sin I run into. Men and women think that they must do what they must do, that they're in charge of their life. And if they want to survive this, they're going to have to go get a second job and and earn more money. They have to think, if I'm going to survive this, I've got to borrow cash. If I'm going to survive this, I've got to take some action. The only action that's necessary is for them to get on their face before God and plead his mercy. King Saul doesn't repent for this embarrassing event that is being rebuked by the prophet. In other words, the prophet is saying, look, get in your own lane. Stay out of my lane. I'm the prophet. You're the king. Be a king. But no, Saul is going to do what Saul thinks he has to do to survive as king. And he wants to win. So Samuel leaves with no direction being given to King Saul. Because King Saul is not repenting. He is following his own will. There is no blessing of God for him in this battle at all. And later again, he'll act very foolishly, pridefully. This is lying to the Holy Spirit. Oh, I will do what you tell me to do. Right. Until he hears something he doesn't like, or it doesn't go his way, and then he's going to go another direction. So, Samuel left Gilgal and gave no direction. He he knows Saul cannot win this battle. And the word of the Lord is, okay, because you have been impatient, you've gone your own way, I've taken the kingdom from you, and I'm going to give it to a neighbor who's a better man than you are. But the Philistines are still there. They have to be dealt with or he loses his reputation, and he loses his kingship. And frankly, he's not interested in losing his kingship. He's 30 years old. He's full of spit and vinegar. He's ready to go kill people, enemy soldiers. He's, he's wanting the, the booty that he can collect. He doesn't want to do it God's way. Now. Jonathan, his son, Jonathan, his son, decides, look, let's go get this battle finished. If the Philistines kill us, at least we're finished. If we succeed, we're the heroes. He wrote, or he said, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. 
but he didn't tell his father. This is 1 Samuel 14. He didn't talk about it. He just did it. He didn't want his father to tell him don't do it because then he'd have to forget his idea. Come, let's go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. If King Saul had only made that same decision, the story would have been much, much different. But what I want you to see is that Jonathan's heart was bent toward God. Saul's heart was bent toward Saul. Now, I'm saying this to you because every day you're making decisions about what you're going to do, where you're going to go, how you're going to spend your money and your time and your energy. And every day you are either bending your heart toward Jesus or you are bending your heart toward the devil. It, I put it, a man does not become evil with one day's decisions. Those decisions are cumulative. They add up. And finally, there is a major breakthrough where a man decides, I'm going to follow kingdom of darkness. You are bent toward that darkness. You are bent toward death. And you get to choose. It's your choice. How is your heart being bent? Every time you lie to the Holy Spirit, your heart is being bent further toward the kingdom of darkness. And the voice of the Holy Spirit becomes fainter until finally you won't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit at all. He will stop giving you direction, and you will go totally in your own way, being bent toward the powers of darkness. Let's watch this movie tonight. Let's go take care of this. Let's buy that. Let's go this way. Let's go that way. And it's following the desires of your mortal body. It's the lust of your flesh. Fornication, pornography, theft, bitterness and anger, cynicism, jealousy. These are all steps in the bending of your heart or darkness. Some of you have bent your heart so far through the years that demons now basically control your life. And when a person decides to leave that life and be bent toward Jesus, it is a battle royal. 
The devil doesn't want to lose his customer. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants you to die with him. He knows he's going to die. He wants you to die with him. And if he can kill you beforehand, that's what he'll do. So you're in a very difficult place, brother, sister. Some of you are just on the tipping edge of that knife. There's pride in your heart. There's a determination to go your own way because you know what's right, right? No, you don't. Because your family before you and you have played with these powers of darkness. So finally you're on a knife edge and you could tip over. Brother called me. He listens regularly to our broadcast. Utterly discouraged. Ready to throw in the towel. I said, are you kidding? Stop it. Stop it. You are being bent toward heaven. Don't stop the bending by the Holy Spirit toward heaven. It's the devil coming back and trying to bend you back into his family. Don't let him do it. Stand your ground. Well, what happened is Jonathan won the day. Holy Spirit knew he trusts Jonathan. Now it finally comes down, chapter twenty-eight of First Samuel. You have to tell you there was another incident with the Amalekites. He was ordered to go and execute them because of their awful treatment of Israel as they were in the wilderness. Because of their hiring of a male warlock to bring curses upon them. So the Philistines assemble again. This is much later. Chapter 28 of 1 Samuel. Saul gathered all of Israel. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or the Urim or prophets. God finally withdrew from him would not answer him. This morning, when I awakened, felt worse than when I went to bed last night. I I was very tired. My heart was very discouraged because of the pain and hurt in my broken leg. I didn't know what to do. My heart was heavy with anguish and fear. Should it have been? Absolutely no. There was no reason for that. 
but it was there. I'm being straight up with you. Suddenly I became aware that I had to choose to bend my heart toward Jesus. And so I began to pray, not loud, just very quietly, Lord Jesus, please bend my heart toward you. Please encourage my heart. I need you to lift me up today so I can do this broadcast. I need you to minister to me right now and give me a sign of your goodness. Suddenly it was the Holy Spirit washing over me. And my whole mind changed. And I knew that Jesus was right here with me and that he would carry me through this day. I was greatly encouraged and filled with hope. Now, I didn't do that. But I did what was necessary that Jesus could step in and bend my heart toward him. That was confessing my feelings, asking him if he would come now and change me, and he answered immediately. And then I discovered that at the same time in the bedroom, my wife was praying the same prayer. The Holy Spirit engineered this prayer of crying out for God's mercy on us. But Saul has bent his heart away from Jesus for so long that when he finally comes into a crisis where he cannot handle what's happening and he turns and cries out to Jesus, Jesus does not respond because his heart is bent toward darkness, to disobedience. Now, let me say that again. Saul's heart, because of his disobedience and refusal to repent, has been bent toward the powers of darkness. Disobedience to Jesus and to the Spirit will always cause your heart to be bent toward darkness. And if you continue in that, you will finally have Jesus leave you. only way that can be turned around is repentance. Honest repentance. But Saul doesn't feel like repenting. His arrogance has grown to such a magnitude. His independence has grown to such a magnitude. His heart has been bent toward the powers of darkness for so long. When he really gets in trouble and cries out to God, there's no answer. I hope what I'm saying to you today scares you. It does me. Jesus is real. The devil is real. There's a war going on for your soul. A war to see how we will let 
them bend our hearts. Now, my natural, moral, mortal body inclination is to let the devil bend my heart. But because Jesus died on Calvary, and I now have given myself utterly and fully to him, look at Romans, the sixth chapter. Because I've done that, my heart has been consistently bent toward Jesus. So when I am utterly discouraged and I need that lift, Jesus is right there. He lifts me up. And I am rescued. That's not what Saul has decided to do. Find a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. There's one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes. He's done that too many times. He's lied to the Holy Spirit too many times. So he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring him up, the one I name. He named Samuel. Samuel, apparently, I don't think it was Samuel. I think it was a demon spirit lying to him but speaks to him in such a way that he is even more discouraged. He said, God has turned away from me. No, he has turned away from God. He has turned away from God. See, this doesn't happen with just one incident. This happens when you have incident after incident after incident where you turn away from God. You turn away. And you choose the powers of darkness. You choose the lust of your own heart. You bend your heart toward the devil. He blames God. He says, he no longer answers me. The Lord will hand you both over to the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. That is, tomorrow you die. Army of Israel will be given over to the Philistines. Immediately, Saul falls full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. You see, the powers of darkness are not there to encourage you. They're there to wipe you out, to accuse you. His strength was gone. He'd not eaten anything all that day or night before. When the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken, she said, Look, your maidservant obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to do. Now please listen to your servant and let me give you some food. 
so that you may eat and have the strength to go on your way. You may have the devil's strength. Hey, isn't that awesome? I'm going to give you the devil's strength and you're going to go on your way. I don't want the devil's strength. I want the strength of the Almighty God. I want the strength of the Holy Spirit. I want the strength of the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. No, he said, I don't want to eat. But his men joined the woman in urging him, and and he listened to them. He got up from the ground and sat on the couch. The woman had a fatted calf at the house, and she butchered one at once. She took some of the flour and kneaded it and baked bread. Without yeast. Supposed to be holy. It's the devil. Then she sat it before Saul and his men, and they ate. That same night they got up and left. That same night they got up and left and went to face the battle. Amazing. He died in the battle the next day. He put his feet under the witch's table. Israelites fled before the Philistines, and many fell slain. And he died. Why did he die? Because his heart was bent toward the devil. Where's your heart bent? Now listen while I read this. This will lift your heart. It gives me a great deal of pleasure to read this to you. The Lord my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness, his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Oh, wait a minute. David knew where to go to eat. He went to the house of the Lord and he put his feet under the table of the Lord. Because that's where the food was, not the poison. King Saul's witch's food looked delicious, but it killed him. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will put my feet under the table of the Lord forever. That's that's the story I want of my life, to be so bent toward heaven and so bent toward Jesus, so bent in obedience to the Holy Spirit that there's no shadow of darkness over my life. Let's look. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know the only reason a sheep will lie down in green grass? He has his tummy full. If he's hungry, he'll pull the the grass up by the roots even. He'll ruin a pasture. Not God's pasture. There's so much to eat in God's pasture that we're well fed. He leads me beside quiet waters. Why? Because sheep have such heavy wool that if they fall over in running water, they'll die. They can't get back up on their feet. So the Lord leads us to waters that are quiet. There is peace found in Jesus. Even when the army of the Philistine has encamped all about me. He guides me in paths of righteousness. In other words, he returns me to a rightful place. He returns me to a righteous place. My heart can be downcast and and full of fear. But if I'll bend my heart toward Jesus, he restores my soul. I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm going to side with the Holy Spirit, bending my heart toward total trust. Jesus Christ. Now, we've all had to deal with our wolf nature. as a rod and a staff. And he chastises us. It's desperately necessary that we recognize when we are being chastened by the Lord, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, even flogged by the Lord. Six months now, I've been with a broken leg from my fall. It's been miserable. Oh, how I've learned to trust my Savior in the midst of that anguish and pain. See, says your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How am I comforted by my pain? Because I've learned to trust even more deeply in Jesus. And when I begin to feel 
like he's left me. I'm discouraged. I recognize that that's the devil trying to bend my heart toward darkness. And I renounce it in the name of Jesus. I have no pity. I have no patience for this. And I say, be gone, powers of darkness. I belong to Jesus. And he's carrying me. It's a wonderful thing to see Jesus with a lamb over his shoulder. Well, that's where I've been now for six months. He's been carrying me. And before this happened, he told me, I will carry you through. The Lord will carry you through. Well, is he going to carry me through? Is he going to dump me somewhere? No, he's going to carry me all the way through. And as I trust him, heart is bent more and more toward trusting in Jesus. Now, as pain increases in your life through an accident, through a sickness, through being deserted by a precious one, whatever the pain is, it can either turn your heart and bend you toward cynicism and anger will bend you toward gentleness, righteousness, patience, kindness. You choose. These things come to us as tests to mature us, to bring us into endurance. and then into character. My character is being built by what has happened to me. I trust him. Ray, why do you trust him? Look what he's done to you. Look how painful it is. Why aren't you angry? Well, because... I know my Savior. And I know that this is only a temporary condition. It's not going to last forever. I'm here only temporarily. And if I die, I'm going to go be with Jesus. And if I live, I'm going to go serve Jesus. Even in my situation now still get to come and do a radio broadcast and encourage you to be bent toward heaven. Prepare a table before me. Presence of mine enemies. In other words, I get to eat Jesus' food. You see this. I get to eat the food of heaven. And it will be served at the Lord's table in the presence of mine enemies. They're going to have to look on while I am thriving in Jesus. And my heart is being bent more and more into heaven. And they don't understand it. And they call me stupid names. They say, why are you doing this? 
You could go to a surgeon and he could fix your leg. No, Jesus said, wait on me. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. You anoint my head with oil. Cup overflows. You anoint the head of a, of a sheep or a lamb. Force the insects to not bite. My cup overflows. I have the oil of joy, Psalm 45, 7, Psalm 21, 11, Psalms 132, 18. I have oil of joy. Why? Because my heart is bent toward Jesus, not toward darkness. Yes. Surely goodness and love will follow me. Kindness, piety, mercy, beauty. Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. King David Delighted himself in the Lord. Your heart being bent today. Circumstances don't bend your heart. We all have circumstances. What bends your heart is what you choose about Jesus. What you want with him or what you want with the devil. If you bend your heart toward bitterness and anger, you bend your heart toward witchcraft. If you bend your heart toward getting your way, selfishness, then you will be bending your heart toward the powers of darkness. They will see you coming and say, here, let me help you. You're right. You're entitled. You've not been treated fairly. You need to protest. No. No, my my shepherd is Jesus. He will take care of all of my needs. He will carry me. I'm the lamb with a broken leg, so he's carrying me. See what I'm talking about today. Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come today with a heart bent toward heaven, bent toward you, and I reject the powers of darkness. I reject utterly reject discouragement. All of my trust is in you, Jesus. 
And I pray that as I put my trust in you, you will continue to do what you've been doing, and that is seating me at your table where I can feast on heaven's food, not on not on a witch's table. Lord, I pray that we will not disappoint you by lying to the Holy Spirit, that we will not disappoint you by going the way of darkness. Lord, give us the victory today. Encourage our hearts today. Lord, I just know as I'm praying that there are some listening to this broadcast today who are downcast, who are saying, I don't know what's going on, but I don't like it who are complaining and groaning and saying, this isn't what I signed up for. Oh, Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit courage their hearts today? Would you send your Holy Spirit to those today who are suffering? Lord, it's not easy to suffer. None of us like it. But, Lord, you have a purpose for it. So I ask that right now, wherever that man or woman is, you would send forth your Holy Spirit. Lord, my precious wife has a sister that we love dearly. But she always is making the wrong choices. Never the choices for eternity. Never the choice to bend her life toward you, Jesus. She's always bending her life toward darkness where she will be walking in misery, pain and anguish. Lord, I pray right now, this precious woman, I pray that you will turn her heart and bend her heart toward you, Jesus, and away from the darkness that so draws her. Lord, I plead today for mercy for those men and women who are struggling with whether to trust you or not. Lord, that's not even a question. You're the only one that can be trusted. You're the only one who is faithful and true. And I pray for those today who have experienced exquisite pain and anguish in their soul and in their family and in their bodies. Would you bend their hearts strongly toward heaven? and cause them to trust you and say, Yes, Jesus, I trust you. No matter what happens, I trust you, Jesus. You are everything to me. Thank you. No, you are everything to me. I will trust you in the midst of my brokenness. I will trust you. For you are my shepherd. I know that I shall come through in glorious victory because you alone are my shepherd. 
and you have taught me to bend my heart toward righteousness and away from wickedness. Mighty God of heaven, thank you for what you're doing. I look to you, Jesus. Welcome. I'm glad you were here. I hope it was helpful to you. Please write to me. I'd like to hear what's happening in your life. One dear brother who was always writing to me was Richard Boyd from Frederick, Maryland, and he's been in the hospital, and I just pray that you'll remember him and lift him up before the Lord. Encourage his heart. And I need to hear from you, financially especially. But I'd love to hear from any words of encouragement you have or any testimony of encouragement. So write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Also, you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You're also most welcome to come this coming Sunday. Service begins at quarter of 10. Come and join us. You'll be greatly encouraged. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.